0: Thanks for joining us for KB Talks powered by the NKBA, the only podcast dedicated to sharing the latest kitchen and bath industry insights, providing you with the education and connections to help grow and support your business. I'm your host, Jennifer Bertrand. The relationship between designers and the media has evolved significantly in recent years as more media outlets are adapting to online consumption. As a result, getting published has new meaning and new implications. Today, we're welcoming Jamie Derringer to the show. Jamie is the founder and creative visionary behind Design Milk. Jamie is joining us to share her insights on how the media landscape has changed, where it's headed, and most importantly, how designers can leverage the media to grow their brands and win big projects. Before we start, here's a quick word from our sponsor. are you a home repair or improvement pro looking to grow your business home advisor can help here's how it works home advisor matches homeowners looking for help with their projects with the best local pros in the area who can do the job that means your business gets connected to new customers quickly and easily get started now and home advisor will help you find your next job and be sure to ask if you are eligible for a limited time hundred dollar credit when you sign up go to homeadvisor.com slash nkba offer again that's homeadvisor.com slash nkba offer All right, let's jump in. We're excited to welcome Jamie Derringer of Design Milk. Thanks for joining us today, Jamie. As an industry veteran and media pro, we're excited to have you on the podcast to share your keen expertise with our audience of designers and business owners and to dive into the future of the media landscape.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I hope to do that topic some justice.
0: I feel like you're going to be amazing because here's the thing. You created a whole genre before anyone even started doing that. And like for some people who may not know Design Milk, can you give a brief introduction and kind of gently establish your background?
1: Absolutely. So I actually don't come from a design background. Um, I was a project manager in pharmaceutical and medical um Uh, advertising and marketing and and publishing. So that's my background. But I was a design enthusiast and probably from a very, very early age. I think one of my favorite um, memories when people ask me about design and architecture is there was this house in our neighborhood growing up and it was like the only one weird house. Uh, And it just happened to be a mid-century modern house. And we would always drive by it and I'd be like, I'm going to buy that house one day. I'm going to live in a house like that. And I was just always fascinated with design and architecture. Um, and so I, I got into blogging uh, back when, when there was a live journal in my space and those kinds of things. For those of you who are my age um, might know that. And uh, I, I started just writing about um, whatever, you know, and then eventually I bought a house. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to find a place where I can write about the stuff I'm finding for my home. I was really into uh, modern furniture and modern design, but I had a really hard time finding what I was looking for online. And this was 2006. So, uh, you know, back then there were only a handful of blogs, design sponge, apartment therapy, and and I, I pretty much spent most of my time at work. Um, and after work on those websites and just hunting around the internet to find cool design stuff. And that's where I, uh, that's when I started Design Milk. I just wanted to put all the cool stuff I was finding in one place. And the best way for me to do that um, was in a blog format.
0: And then now, like she's too nice to say, if you don't know Design Milk, I mean, nowadays, if you look on Instagram, it's got 3.4 million followers, it does pretty well. And when you very first started that, was there any moment where you paused or hesitated before you posted or did you like try to curate as you went or were you just loving it?
1: I kind of, in the beginning, I always just posted and I had no hesitation. And I think there there was a point when I started having other people come on the team and other people manage the social media when I was like, "Okay, let's make sure we look at this before it goes out to all of these people." Um but now, you know, the team it has been established for a long time and um everybody's very comfortable with the brand voice and messaging, so not really so much anymore. Although it still blows my mind that like something I I write or I you know, fine can go out to that many people. And I think the impact that we have on, on businesses, um, is, is tremendous. And it's, it's a sense of pride for sure.
0: So you started as a lone wolf and a lot of people out there are lone wolves doing whether they're a designer or showroom or anything. At what point did you decide you had to have a team or it had to become something with support?
1: So here's the thing. I am very much a lone wolf. I've always been a lone wolf. Um, so I, I, I didn't actually decide to hire anybody until I got pregnant. <laughs> I was like, oh no, what am I gonna do? Um, I'm gonna have to take care of this baby and this other baby that I built, you know. So at that point, I, I brought on a couple of people to help me, um, and and never looked back from that, of course. But I think like personally, still totally a lone wolf. Been working from my house for 10 years. Love it. Pandemic, whatever. I'm in my house. I'm cool. (laughs) Just hunkering down.
0: I think a lot of people are like, oh, the pandemic's kind of just like my normal life every day. But so when you started and you started evolving and growing because you had a baby, is that at what point did you start noticing that media started to notice what you were doing and that you started to have an influencer kind of role?
1: Well, I started, well, first of all, I got, somebody emailed me and I was on blo- like the Blogspot blogger platform and they were like, can we put our banner ad on your website? And I was like, oh, light bulb moment. Maybe this could be a business. And th- at that point, things changed for me in my own brain because I thought, okay, great. Like I'm established in my career, but I don't know that I want to do this for the rest of my life. So, uh, this is my pivot point. And I had to convince my husband that it was a good idea. Um, (laughs) so after doing that, uh, you know, I, I got to the point where I was getting some money coming in from advertising and, you know, I was getting a lot more likes and follows and, um, you know, more comments and more engagement. And then I started getting emails from people just left and right. You know, do you want to talk about this at our conference or do you want to um we can, you know, pay you to write about this thing? And I was like, oh, this is like kind of starting to become a bigger deal than I had anticipated. And as the landscape shifted, um, it just grew and grew. And so I I, I think for me it was just about you know, recognizing where those opportunities were and also seeing where the voids were and how could I fill those voids? Um, You know, I was looking for me and I didn't see me on the pages of like glossy magazines. I didn't see me in a lot of what the magazines were doing online. And so I just wanted something for people like me, design enthusiasts, but also I wanted to share what was going on behind the brands because there's a lot of wonderful people making amazing things and I wanted more access to that. I just wanted it to be more accessible.
0: No, that's awesome. But you mentioned how the landscape has started to change. What, where do you think it's going? I mean, obviously you're not Nostradamus of design, but if you were like trying to guess and go, man, we've really saturated things and now I feel like we're going back to minimalism or whatever. Oh gosh.
1: Um yeah, I definitely ho- don't have any kind of um
0: crystal ball because if I I did, I
1: I would be able to tell you, but I don't. And I think we're kind of in this weird situation now where like nobody knows what's going to happen in the world in general. I mean, nobody could have predicted this pandemic situation and it getting kind of out of control, but um I think with design, it's it's tough because I I really do believe there's a place for print and I do believe there's a place for online. I think we'll see a lot more merging of those things together. Um, And I I also feel like we're going to see a lot of change in the design industry in general as we move forward past uh, this, you know, current situation that we're in. I think we're going to see a lot more hybrid home work situations. I think the way we look at space and approach space and interact with it is going to be very different than it was, you know, six months ago. Um, And we just have to be prepared for that and okay with it. I think big changes like this are, you know, they're weird and they're uncomfortable and they're um, a little scary, but I really do feel somewhat optimistic that you know, maybe it's accelerated some of the things we really needed, which was more work-life balance. Um, I feel like, you know, trends will probably follow with how our society has shifted.
0: Is there anything or anyone that you're like, ooh, I enjoy watching so-and-so out there in the world doing it, or that you feel like they're a little ahead of the game in terms of, Um, media, marketing, how they tell their story, that it could be inspiring or influential to people who are still trying to figure it out?
1: Well, I don't think I have anybody off the top of my head who's doing it. I mean, nobody's doing it perfectly. We're all kind of learning as we go, since nobody knows what the internet will hold next. But um, I I think the more real like real you can get with your brand is, is probably better because i think over the past you know 5 to 10 years we've been moving away from formalities and much more into casual environments i mean if you think about the shift of of casual clothing in the workplace open office environments you know um flexible work schedules and uh, as we keep going, I, you know, now we're, we're in each other's homes every day. We, I can, you know, we're looking at each other face to face. I can see your home behind you. You can see mine. And we're, we're starting to get to the point where those boundaries are, are changing. And while we do have to create important like work-life boundaries, I, I also think that we need to be more comfortable accepting that everybody is, is human. Um, I I don't know how this really relates to design and business, but I I think that there is, I mean, it's all very intertwined now, right? So um, I think we just have to factor that into everything that we do from now moving forward, Um, whether you're media or you're running a a design brand. um, I think that's an important consideration.
0: No, I, th- I think that's perfect. And often I think sometimes people stress too much rather than just starting and doing on social media and in terms of their marketing. What advice? So a lot of times we'll have listeners who are designers, who are smaller firms, who maybe don't have people running their social media and marketing. But if you could give three bits of advice and you know, obviously I'm, I'm going rogue. I'm putting you on the spot with all kinds of questions, but if you were to give three bits of advice of saying, Hey, if you don't get overwhelmed and you simplify and just think of these points, what would you say to them? Oh my gosh.
1: Okay. Um, first thing is you're a human being and you're talking to other human beings. So act like that. And you know, not everything needs to be in marketing language all the time or formal press release language, um, especially on social media. I think we need to be more approachable with each other. In um, that way, people feel like they can access you more easily. So I think letting any kind of guard, formal guard down, um, especially on social media is probably important. Um, hmm. uh, I think you hit on one, which is start now. Don't overthink it. That's a big thing for me. Sometimes I overthink things and then I just have analysis paralysis. And if you don't start now, you may never start. Um, So, you know, I'm an artist too. And the worst thing is having a blank canvas. So the best thing you do is you just like draw all over it first. Because if you don't take that first step, then you might just stare at that blank canvas for weeks and weeks, um, which literally I did that like six months ago. Um, So I know from experience that it can be more intimidating as you like put it on a pedestal so just go after it. Um, and then also the, the other thing is like, you might not work out your brand day one um, right away, your brand voice. So if you are starting with something and getting out there, I think it's important to allow yourself flexibility to evolve over time um, and also learn from your mistakes. I, I think when I started Design Milk, I, I certainly loved modern design because that was my personal aesthetic. Uh, but you know I, I feel like a lot of what I did in the beginning was just like Learning you know navigating, learning from other people, and um, emulating what they did and, and seeing how that worked for me, and if it felt weird, then I went in another direction and finally, I found my own voice, and I think all of the blogs that were that launched you know in the early 2000s I think they 've all found their own great little niche in the market um, and they speak to a specific audience, you know, and they have their own voice. So I think it's okay to start out just trying to figure out who you are and what you stand for and, and what your message is and then go from
0: there. No, good answer for on the fly. Now, my next question for you though is, is, is there anything that you were like, man, that was a hard lesson to learn in terms of media and marketing that you're like, If I could share something I learned the hard way, is there anything that pops into mind?
1: Wow, yes, there's lots of them. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm a human being. I make tons of mistakes. I never ran a business before by myself in my life. I didn't know a lot about design when I started the site. I mean, I think, you know, in the very beginning I was like, this is a cool chair. And then I realized it was like a classic Eames chair that like everybody knew about. And I was like discovering it for the first time. Like I was some sort of explorer, like, look at this. And everybody's like, it's been there forever. Um, So yeah, I felt like an idiot, but I learned over time. And I, you know, now that i know a lot more about design. Um, It's helped me uh, focus a lot more like what our message is and and where we're coming from. And uh, I I also think like, um, you know, putting something out to that many people, you certainly learn, you know, I I put stuff out that people are like, that just doesn't seem like design milkish. I'm like, well, I mean, it is my brand. So like, (laughs) if I put it out, it's design milkish, but then you kind of go with, you know, sometimes you go with what people like, Um, I I don't know it. I've made tons of mistakes. I've certainly said the wrong thing. I've done the wrong thing. Um, a ton of times I I've yes. Many, many things.
0: I love that. All great (laughs) people do. And it's nice to hear you do as well, but okay. So in terms of getting published, let's just go back to that. If a designer says, Jamie, what would be your advice on how to get published nowadays? What would you tell them? Um, well,
1: I still think photography is incredibly important. Uh, we're all visual people now that we're all glued to our phones and screens all day, even more so I think. Um, but design people are typically visual people. So if you don't have good quality photos with the right lighting and you're not really giving enough context for your products, I think that can be unfortunate, um, and can actually get in the way of you being published. Um, Although there are magazines who require like test shoots and then they shoot the product themselves. So that might be different for them. But for us, we use pre-shot photography, stock images from, you know, brands that give us uh, that. We don't do our own photos. So we want to see, you know, the best photos you can share. Um, The other thing would be we... Appreciate emails with attachments, but you know maybe a selection of attachments so you're not clogging up our inbox. I mean, imagine if everybody sent 40 megabytes worth photo attachments to we would never be able to download and look at everything. So I think making your message short and sweet and to the point, and then attaching all the additional reference information, um, and then having a link for fo- further you know to download your 400 <laughs> images um, for us to choose from is is really helpful. Um, and then also just be be kind of patient, but you can follow up with, um, with us. Uh, we ha- get hundreds of emails every day and um, we're a very small team. Uh, and I think you can make that assumption right now about most um, publications that it's a small team managing a large inbox and it does take time for us to go through and look at everything. If you really want us to give you the time to look and open your email and read it and look at the attachments, then you know it, it takes time. So, uh, even though we want to try to get things up quickly, you know, we, and we might not respond to you too. So there's that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and if you look at it, does it help if there are low res images embedded in the image or within the email? Yeah, that's great.
1: Yeah. I think you can attach like a couple low res images and then say, here's a WeTransfer or Dropbox or, you know, whatever. And we can go
0: download the high res images if we need to. And then does it matter how the email, even if it's like long-winded, like essay, or if you're like, bullet points are nice.
1: I mean, bullet points are always great. A short paragraph with a a press release attached with all of the information about your project is totally fine.
0: So then as, how much do you guys care when you look at publishing someone? How much do you care about their social media presence? Do you purely just look at the work or do you look at the work?
1: Yeah. We have posted stuff for people who don't even have social media. So it's not important to us. It's the work, the quality of the work. Um, and also the, the quality and innovation of the, um, the concept or
0: the story. And those are things are, are, are things that we look for too. And I assume it's not always based on cost of project, just innovation or whatnot.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's definitely projects we've posted that are almost DIY or using, you know, found materials, things like that. They don't cost a lot of money. And then of course we have like 20,000 square foot mansions. So there's a a variety of, of uh, projects and products that we publish. And I think that's really important, um, especially for, for us, I think because I want, I want to see something that's inspirational and aspirational, but I also want to see something that I could go out and buy. Yeah. I mean, that's why we have the shop. So there's some things that you can now buy, um, and they're easily accessible.
0: No, that's great. And I have been on that website. Um, so, okay. Talking about where social media and marketing is headed, obviously we don't know where it's going, but I think slowly you're hearing more and more about nano influencers and people who have no presence really, or 10,000 or less on social media. I mean, for you guys, obviously you can only speak true to your brand, but do you think brands are noticing those people more? Are you like, to us, it doesn't matter. We notice everyone.
1: Um, I think brands, it depends on the brand and the the influencer, because there are a lot of really fantastic small, you know, influencers that have small followings, but those followings might be loyal. So even if you have a hundred people and I have a million or two million, however, people, if we both posted something and a hundred people bought it from them and a hundred people bought it from me, I mean, who's more important? I I would say the smaller person. Cause that's a hundred percent engagement, a hundred percent. You know what I mean? Like it's much more about the percentage of engagement and um, you know, the quality of your following than it is about the size. It's certainly nice to put something out to 3.4 million people. Um, they definitely get a lot of attention, which is fantastic. But you know, there's an alternative to that, and it's kind of like what I was just saying about having something accessible and have something that's inspirational or aspirational. And I think it's the same way with brands. Like you can definitely work with small-time influencers, but then you can also send something to larger media outlets. And I think that's a really good way to do business because you're you're reaching multiple different types of people.
0: Well, and to go back to what you were talking about earlier, where it's you know, send us your stuff, we may get back to you, we may not, obviously we get a lot. Um, How much should they play it cool and like set back? Or are you like, maybe do one follow-up just because someone out there is listening to this going, ooh, I'm listening to Jamie and I wanna submit.
1: Well, I think a follow-up is perfectly fine. Um, There have been times where something ends up in the trash and I was like, oh my gosh, it's in the trash it happens. Um, you know, I would say it's probably less frequent than things ending up in the trash because we're not going to write about them, but it does happen. So I would say like, if you're really serious and you really want it on there, like send us a reminder email. Absolutely. And it could be like a week later. Um, certainly not the next day. I mean, you have to have respect that we're trying to get through our 250 emails a day. Um, you know, but I, I think it, it's fine one or two follow ups um
0: just be nice <laughs> i feel like that's important every day always no matter what you're doing um someone out there will probably be listening and going no matter how hard i try i cannot get published what would you say to them what advice would you give oh um
1: i guess it depends on what they're doing and who they're pitching to i mean they could be pitching to the wrong people um for example, like sometimes we will get pitches for products that are very traditional or interiors that are very cottagey. And I'm kind of like, well, it's not a Scandinavian cottage really. It's more of a, I don't know, Hamptons cottage, which is not really our jam. So maybe you want to send it to these magazines instead. So I think it's, more, it's, it's about making sure you're pitching to the right audience, not just The magazine you read because you absolutely love it, and it's super important that you get published in that magazine. Um, Get published in the right media outlets for you and your brand, Um, and then I would say look at your message, look at your story, look at your photos. uh, You know all the other things I've already said. I think
0: who so okay, which is perfect advice for someone out there. And I honestly, I tell people, I'm like, just have fun with it, and at some point. destiny will decide where you are meant to go and just do your thing and have fun doing it, which might say a lot about me. Now, before we let you go today, though, since you are a lone wolf in your home, where do you go for inspiration? Because I always find that fascinating. Are you traveling the world online or looking at global publications? What do you look to?
1: Well, I certainly these days mostly look on Instagram, Um, but I don't, like, I guess for my own artwork, so just because that's easier to talk about from this perspective, like for my own art, I look at a lot of things. I actually listen to a lot of music too, because music for me is, I don't know, it's life. Like It breathes so much into me, Um, like energy that I, I can't really express with words, but it's easier to draw them Um, and feelings and emotions and and memories. And I I tap into all of that, but I definitely look at Instagram, but I, I, I try not to look at too much art um, because that can kind of inform what I'm doing, even subconsciously, like a week after I look at it, it could pop back up into my brain and, you know, You don't want to like design the same chair you saw on Instagram a week ago. And we just look at so many images too. I forget somebody said like how many images our brain processes on a daily basis, but it's like dramatically more than it used to be before screens were, you know, in our pockets. So, um, you know, your subconscious is capturing a snapshot of every single one of those images. And um, I think it's important to find inspiration from the things that you enjoy doing. So a lot of designers travel. I mean, that is huge, huge. Um, It's just finding places that are outside of your bubble. I look at really bizarre things like plated food and (laughs) sea creatures and like just all kinds of things that aren't really art. Um, And that informs a lot of my artwork. Um,
0: No, that's great. What kind of music do you listen to while you paint? Oh gosh. So last
1: night I was drawing and I listened to Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, some old albums from like the seventies and early eighties. Um, and then I listen to like a drum and bass mix. So it's really all over the place.
0: No, tribal techno is always good to paint too. Totally. So A, a final question. I think I keep saying final question, but one of the big topics in design and especially in media and marketing is wellness. Are there any other topics that you're like, hey, take note of, because these are also coming around the corner?
1: Hmm, that's a good question. Um, I don't know if I have a, an answer for that question. I, I think that one of the things that I didn't talk about as we've been chatting here is the, like story and storytelling, mm-hmm. um, which I think is probably the most important thing that you want to pitch. Um, when you're pitching. Um, I can't believe I didn't really mention that, but storytelling is huge, obviously, in anyone who's in media. We want to know the story behind an object or a space, um, who the people are that live there, or where did the material come from that you designed this product with. All of those things are really interesting, and that's why I started this website, because I was... Interested in all of those things. I wanted to know. I had all this curiosity. And I think readers are curious too, um, and they want to know more about where something comes from. Because we could certainly regurgitate press releases, you know, but I just want to know more about the people or the process. Um, so I would say, like, if it's possible to hone in on the creativity of something, and if you don't have a story for that particular product, maybe your company has a really interesting story um, that you know you could try to tell through, you know, pitching that product.
0: So I then, if you were to take that concept of storytelling and apply it to Instagram, is it that you accept, uh, like? say longer copy on an image in your feed or is it more in terms of the story um, when you do Instagram stories? What would you,
1: I like an Instagram story that you can save as a highlight because I do go back and look at those highlights. um, And that's a great way to just keep something kind of bookended with a start and a finish, because you know how they expire after 24 hours. And then, you know, I look at your Instagram, it's like halfway through the story and I missed the first half. So it's always nice to have that highlight. Um, And then I also like... um, having like a link tree or one of those link in bio things. So I click on your bio and you can have like, you can click on one of the Instagram tiles and go right to the product or go right to an article about that product. So I think having those, um, those tools is really great. Instagram captions are like, it's like 50, 50. I don't, I, I don't know. A lot of people don't read captions, which makes me kind of disturbed. Um, but I I get it. I'm a really visual person too. And I have very limited time. (laughs) So I I don't want to read too much, but if I want to read it, I want to know where I can get to that information later.
0: What are your thoughts on live videos or IGTV and all of that?
1: I love IGTV. I really do. We're doing, um, we launched DMTV this year, which is one of the big things we launched. And we have this new show called milkshake and it's so much fun to do. I I really love it. Um, Instagram live is, is terrifying. I, I'm just scared. I've had so many weird experiences on it where like my phone crapped out or like the camera switched and it was my face, like, and it was like up my nose and it was like, you know, thousands and thousands of people. And it's really just, and then I had to stop and start again. I don't, I don't like, Instagram live but that's because I'm just paranoid about screwing it up from a technical standpoint. Well, and I, I think it's great if you have like if you're live streaming something like a talk or whatever, I think it's fantastic.
0: No, perfect. And what about in terms of like cross tagging people? Because are you like, gosh, we get tagged in everything or or thoughts like that? Do you, Yeah, we like, do
1: get tagged in everything. <laughs>
0: <laughs> people be intentional with their tags, should it be short and sweet, should it be some brands will find you, but make it relative. So I think for us, it's hard
1: because everybody will tag us in everything and including like they tag my personal account and everything too. And I'm like, I'm not in that photo, <laughs> dude. Um, but I think if you're a smaller brand or a manufacturer, super important for people to tag you. And that's actually a great way for people to get brands attention and vice versa is to tag each other. Um, so I, I think it's, it's a very important thing that we have a tool that we can use. Um, I think hashtags are also great tools, but I would use these things intentionally and sparingly um, rather than just going crazy. Cause when you're tagged in a photo with 16 other brands, it just feels like, you know, they're just trying to get attention versus really caring about you in particular.
0: Yeah. I usually ignore those whenever I'm like, I don't even know what you want me to see in that. (laughs) Anything else that you think we haven't talked about that you think would be really important in terms of media and marketing and designers out there listening that they should know or spend time on? Um, I think it's super important to also
1: know what's going on in the world um, and making sure that what you're sending people is appropriate at the right time um, or takes into account um, other major shifts that are happening in the industry.
0: Did you take note when people like major things were happening in the world and we'll keep this Switzerland, but when people carry on, did you notice? And when you're like, wow, they're not even acknowledging the world. Did it bother you to see people not acknowledge things? On a
1: personal note, it does bother me. And I think from a business perspective, uh, we're a brand that aligns ourselves with brands that are doing good in the world and, and having missions and messages and donations and Things like that. Um, we just want to be aligned with other people who care because we really do care. So uh, we take note of that too. So we're watching brands. We're watching other influencers. I'm watching people too, um, personally. So um, I do think it's important. People notice if if you're not doing anything, and they really notice if you are.
0: And it's crazy because it's so polarizing uh, in terms of perspective. So I know it's scary for brands out there because. It could go bad as well. So, oh, you're never going to please everybody, too. I think that's important to know that, like, there's going
1: to be 10% of someone, you know, just saying that what your message is is not enough or it's too much for them or they're going to unfollow you, which is like the best comment ever. Cause I'm like, just unfollow me. Like, I don't need you to tell me that. I've already blocked Um, you, (laughs) (laughs) but you're never going to please everybody. So I think it's most important that you are aligned with your core group of, you know, followers or your loyal group of customers. And it's important that you actually post something that you're going to stand behind from an actionable perspective. Um, virtue signaling is is not going to get you anywhere.
0: Well, and I think just wishy-washy does nothing anymore. And especially like younger generations aren't, they're not, they don't want smoke and mirrors. They want office authenticity. Yeah.
1: They'll come at you and be like, okay, you said this two months ago. So what have you done to make this change happen? And you got to show them what you did. So I think, you know, that's this generation. And if they're going to be doing that, then we have to be able to show them
0: receipts. Do you think the audience for media and marketing, like they're who they're all trying to target in the design world has shifted? Like, are they trying to focus more towards younger audiences? Is it a, still a global concept? Any thoughts on that?
1: Um, I think it's, what's really interesting to me is that the internet has really leveled the playing field in in terms of, like, geo... Geographic location. Um, design books started on the internet, so it was always a global website, even though we were based in the United States. Um, and, and as it, our global reach grew, it, it became obvious to me more and more that, like, this design isn't something that we can just say, oh, this is only for the US. People, you know, and I mean, it's it's really for everybody. And there's really cool stuff happening in all parts of the world. Um, it might be different if you're a brand and your brand's product is only available in certain geographic areas. It can be a challenge, but the internet actually makes it pretty great because you can target all of those places now. And um, you know, branded advertising, you can use that to target specific countries and. and Um, there's lots of websites out there that have a majority of certain countries, you know, and you can just target those people. So, but I I think it's really important though, that like, it's given us access to so many more people and so many more ideas. Um, Do you ever have to just turn off your phone though and have a break? Absolutely absolutely i I am in need of one of those soon
0: (laughs) i haven't done it in a while as soon as you stop talking i'm doing just that (laughs) that's it well you obviously (laughs) are a plethora of information and thank you for sharing all of your advice um just to end on a positive note of what to watch next with design milk obviously there's milkshake to watch what other things should people look for
1: Oh, well, we launched our shop last October and we're gearing up for our holiday season. So we'll be putting a lot more products and brands into the shop for holiday. So that's the big thing that we're all focused on now.
0: Yay. Well, I know all of your stuff and uh, I've got some gifts that I want to get through there. Thank you. Mm-hmm. You're amazing. You brought design to the world that looks good and brings joy in a snobby, cool way. And thank you for taking the time to do this and and letting me go rogue with questions and put you on the spot.
1: Well, Thank you so much. It's good to talk to you and see your face.
0: <laughs> right? Last time I saw you at KBiz. Well, oh. <laughs> all of you, everyone else out there will have new episodes of KB Talks coming your way soon. So make sure you are subscribed and stay tuned. Please be sure to send your feedback to nkba at flyingcamel.com and remember to take a moment to leave us a star rating or a review wherever you listen to your podcasts.